0: Welcome to another episode of Mike, Mike, and Oscar. I didn't want to run into any copyright trouble with NBC using the official Olympics theme song, so I guess that could be the Oscar Olympics theme song, as done by me. find a more beautiful voice if you can, I dare you. I'm your co-host, Mike One. This is our second Oscar Olympics, or I I guess also Mike is going to explain where that fits into the legacy or the timeline of the real Olympiads, but this is co-host also Mike to tell you more about the technical aspects of it.
1: Yes, if you divide 92 by Mm 4, it was 23, Uh and we just completed the 23rd Olympiad where we started what is going to turn out to be a series for us, and this was going back four years prior from 2011-12 to 2015-16, the 22nd oscar olympiad according to us the only pundits that matter in this case (laughs) but these are fun mike Uh, these are four-year snippets of all the winners i think we both watched a bunch of movies for this so we're checking off a lot of boxes in terms of the oscar movie watching that we've always wanted to do with retrospectives and and maybe this is a way to do it for us but i tell you what these were tough like there are some categories in this one we're going to do 19 categories again handing out gold silver and bronze medals and oh my god i loved all force choices in so many
0: of these yeah there were a lot of categories that were like just it was much more difficult than the first oscar right. olympics that we did which was i guess in some ways good and in some ways infuriating and we'll talk about it uh we also wanted to uh give some shout outs to some other people who made our first oscar olympics episode such a success that it was
1: Brett Bowen at Bowen Reviews, B-O-H-A-N. He sent us all of his picks, including Parasite for Picture and Director, Affleck and McDormand for Actor and Actress. Go read his entire Google spreadsheet with comments. <laughs> Brett, you are one of us, as as Mike One likes to say. Nah, bah, yeah. nah, you know, I mean, it was just a wonderful job, and I love the commentary, and a uh, hell of a job, buddy.
0: That was a great in depth job there by Brett, and also going with the one of us drop there. I just recorded freaks because it was on T uh, Turner Classic Movies recently, Michael. So that's best. this is all coming full circle. You understand? And these you watch Turner Classic Movies really. <laughs> Ronaldo Sousa also sent us all kinds of pics, including Blanchette for actress and Mahershala's Moonlight role for supporting actor. He is at r.santana2024. That's where you can follow Ronaldo. And Crazo
1: at i n c e h r v y. Ints heavy. He also sent us uh, pictures of all of his medals. (laughs) And Crazo had Viola and Rockwell atop the supporting categories. Chazelle taking director and Moonlight winning his best picture so many people sent us uh, a bunch of their medal winners a couple of them picked a category each it was a lot of fun to see our audience uh having so much fun with this so thank you guys and as always send us your picks for this episode as well
0: yeah and, and the, you guys are the reason we're doing uh, making this a series and that the first one was a rousing success so like mike said keep those coming in keep any kind of photoshop or any kind of creativity that you have coming in and we'll give it shout outs as much as we can here on the show. For today, uh, we're going back in time for more years. So here we're going to cover the 2012 to 2015 <clears throat> film years, all the Oscar winners for the 19 big Oscar categories, and we will be giving out Do Not Medals, Bronze, Silvers, and Golds, much like we did for the first Oscar Olympics episode. Michael, we can start with the category of Best VFX over the four-year span of 2012 to 2015. Michael, I guess you can run down your list first
1: so i loved ex machina i love those effects but they are like 10 million dollar movie effects Mm. compared to these other three that are just visually effects driven films and you'll realize all that in a moment folks because my bronze is going to life of Pi. i loved the crisp CGI at the time. I mean, that was a scary tiger in CGI. You kind of recognize that it's a CGI tiger, but still, I mean, you're afraid of that tiger and that's a CGI computer based effect that hasn't happened before like if you watch the Jumanji tiger or lion you're not afraid of the Jumanji tiger and lion you're afraid of Robin Williams is going off the fucking chain in that movie so <laughs> i think i think that you know again Ang Lee when he when he's working with uh, high tech stuff. I mean, it's it's hit and miss in terms of the storylines, but he really does a nice job with it. Mike, you also had Life of Pi in your bronze, and we kind of picked the same three here.
0: Yeah, we we have the, the same lineup to start, and with Life of Pi, it is splitting hairs. The only reason it's a bronze, I really did appreciate. I think Life of Pi might have done more with VFX, but because you hit on the main reason why, because you can kind of tell some things are green screened, is the only reason that I had it bronze, because of these top three. It's, uh, it's a great job all across the board. I had Interstellar 2, uh, mm-hmm. or the silver medal, I should say, and it's nuts because Christopher Nolan made a scientifically, anatomically correct black hole and he's getting a silver medal from me, which I think is just an insult.
1: But the practical effects of Interstellar are also there, which om- almost, you know, gave it my gold medal, but it, I just, I couldn't get over the fact that basically Quaron Cu- spun his effects around so much because, like, It's one thing doing effects, but it's another thing doing effects on a carnival ride for your audience (laughs) and making it believable and not making me throw up, which you almost still did as I watched it as an older man today. Because I can't go on you know, amusement park rides anymore. I don't know about you. I was just, Watch,
0: Watching Gravity is the closest you'll get to one of those anti-gravity spinning things at the local carnival anymore? Absolutely yeah.
1: correct. When I was a kid, I just let my brain just mush into my skull. I wouldn't care. It but made now us the critics we
0: are today, I would like to think, as a matter of fact.
1: Absolutely. <laughs> it has formed us. Just going on that carnival ride 17 times in one night, that's
0: it. Uh, hey, I got a question, Mike. Yeah. Are we sure Gravity and Interstellar are, are different movies? Are you talking
1: uh, in a cinematic universe sense? Or are you uh, being the number one troll for just
0: genre shaming? I'm just two movies of the same <laughs> genre. That means it's the same movie? I'm just asking the question. You take it whatever way you want. I'm just, I'm here to ask questions. And by follow up, are we sure The Martian and Interstellar are not a sequel of one another? <laughs>
1: Uh, Best film editing, folks. Number two (laughs) category for us today. Mike,
0: who was your do not (laughs) medal? You coward. Uh, All right. So this was another just excruciatingly difficult category. Yeah. I picked Argo, which was 2012's winner of best film editing, because I think of these four winners, this is the easiest argument that you could make that this winner won its category because of its status as a contender for Best Picture. I think Mm. of the other three winners, there's more in the actual editing of the film that you can appreciate, whereas if I had to say any one of the four winners won editing because of the link that we know between the film editing category and the Best Picture category, I think that was most congruent or correlated with Argo than the other three winners. It's a cop-out, okay. but I needed something to
1: slice hairs with. I agree with you. This is another toss-up. I mean, this is a tight four. So
0: how about you go through your your top three medals? Yeah, matches? I have no idea how to do these other three. I, I put Whiplash <laughs> at bronze just because I, I, I couldn't put Gravity or Mad Max at bronze, so it kind of lost out. Gravity and Mad Max, You're, I, I, I don't know. I, I put Gravity at, at silver, Mad Max at gold because I think... It has the most balanced equation between the quality of the editing and its best picture resume, and because it wasn't, uh, for whatever reason, it wasn't taken seriously as a best picture contender, even though it probably should have won that year, Mad Max I'm talking about. So that's the way I split it. But again, we're talking about a difference of, like, cat hair whiskers between those three films, again, in this category for me. What about you, Mike?
1: So, again, in shamefully simplistic uh, form here, I had Gravity is my Do Not Meddle" because a few cuts truly made me nauseous <laughs> upon rewatch? As an older man, I remember loving the theatrical movie-going experience of this film, uh, and the editing worked, and I wasn't nauseous, but that was how many the years ago. The reason you
0: love it is the reason you must put it down. <laughs>
1: And now I rewatched it for this and I'm just like, a couple times, <laughs> a couple times. The rest of the movie is still excellent, but that, that hurt me. Bronze's Whiplash, like you, I, I think Damien Chazelle and company there, they're so creative with all the different kind of cuts they're using. I don't even have terminology for them. These cu- some of these cuts. I can't just say smash cut. I mean, he's doing like all these wacky movements of the camera all these wacky just he's using every button in the editing (laughs) bay. let's just put it that way Damien Giselle and company so I'm really impressed with that he does make it work my silver goes to Argo because even now and in these times an airport scene has never been packed with this much danger yeah and I'm just so impressed with Argo and I do think the editing told that story and made it as thrilling as it was so I'm kind of doing the old critic pick with my silver for best editing and Argo there. Well, it's not a surprise.
0: uh, I mean, you've you've regaled that scene and the tension in that airport scene at the end of that movie for years now since we've been doing this show, and yet I think the biggest surprise is not that you have Argo so high, it's that you actually have something above it in the editing category here.
1: Yeah, Argo had no business being as thrilling as it was, but Mad Max Fury Road is a masterful job, and I am so impressed with how the pacing of this film works. I rewatched a lot of the chase scenes from mm. this movie. They are such insanely beautiful shots in terms of the cinematography. Right. And she lets them play out like these are long takes, which is shocking to me because you figure action movies. So many of them are over edited. Like you got these one punch and then the other, and then a car chase. There's 17 cuts in the first car chase. Everybody thinks it's Hitchcock's shower scene, you know. Mm. In Mad Max Fury Road, watch that movie, and you can allow allow one shot to play for like seven, eight seconds at times. And these are gorgeous master shots. In the desert there, I, I'm so impressed with Mad Max Fury Road in terms of the editing bay. It's got to get my gold.
0: It probably deserves extra credit, too, because Margaret Sixel, who was the editor on Mad Max, to go from Happy Feet and Babe, <laughs> which was on her resume before Mad Max, and pulling off what was pulled off in Mad Max, you, you should get bonus points for that, I think. I love that Oscar so much because
1: every time a Mad Max person, I should say character, walked up to the stage, they had like a feather in the hat. Right. They looked like they were coming out of the universe there. They looked like they just left Burning Man, but they dressed up because it was a little, you know, colder outside. It was, it was perfect. I loved it.
0: it. It was done so dirty by the major categories that year, too. That's a, that's a blight on the Academy's face, I think. But we can move on to Best Costume Design, Michael.
1: So I loved, again, all four nominees. Like yeah. We're starting off hot today. The Great Gatsby, uh, it's just wonderful costume next to other other wonderful costume for some reason I've always had a 1920s bias but I think more so in this regard I have a bit of a CGI backdrop bias and it has nothing to do with costumes but it does have something to do with the overall mise en scene if I can use a hoity toity <laughs> word for there for a second because sometimes the green screen looked fake and I, I just couldn't it just bothered me so I'm going to go with Wes Anderson's The Grand Budapest for my bronze. I, I loved all the hotel get-ups there. I think the get-up for Tilda Swinton was just phenomenal. She had the beehive hairdo. I'm going to talk about that later. Mad Max Fury Road had no business... Looking believable with all the wackadoo shit in that movie with the porcupine cars and you got to say the costumes for the cars and the trucks are part of the deal right it's not just the bad guys. oh that's interesting
0: so you put that in the costume design more so than production design that's interesting I put it in both because I'm confused
1: but I I love I love both (laughs) sets of costumes because I mean there are characters in the story because you got so much of that story riding upon the literal riding upon those vehicles I see what you did there yeah, so I can't deny, though, my fantasy. This is bias. bias. Yeah, I was This,
0: gonna, this is a hundred percent bias on your part.
1: <laughs> recency bias. I think that I have a fashion sense now, and I think that I even I would look good in some of the winter wear of this great Russian landscape. By all the, I mean, this talk about a who's who of, you know, British actors in Anna Karenina. But I, I think this is just next level costume designs. I was so impressed. I was just in awe of all of the dresses. And, and I, again, I've I, not in my life did I care one iota about a beautiful dress. Uh, bef- I mean, I've been asexual for years now. <laughs> I don't care, and yet it's just gorgeous dress after gorgeous dress. Kira Knightley must fantasize about reliving those scenes and reliving that production, you know, for the rest of her life. I mean, she can she'll always have Anna Karenina, Kira Knightley. But the guys put on some great outfits too. I mean, again, all the hat game. It just works Anna Karenina my
0: gold Jacqueline Duran I think has a a key to your heart having having done the costumes for both little women which you also very much appreciated from this past year and yes. Anna Karenina and Anna Karenina is I imagine that's got to be an also mom favorite as well she's
1: only seen it once really I, I actually talked to her the other day and I think she's only seen it once she wasn't that into it but I don't know there's a lot of you know extracurricular activity in Anna Karenina <laughs> so my mom's not a big fan of that. She likes she likes people getting married or not getting married. She doesn't necessarily like all the extra curriculum at school.
0: Gotcha. That's a very politically correct way of putting that. And that was very sweet of you. Uh, I agree with you on Gatsby. I think what's most interesting and telling about this is how we would vote if we were in the Academy. And you say how you're going to include the rides and the vehicles and Mad Max as part of the costume design. I'm my whole approach to costume design is just basically what I think is most difficult to put together in modern times and in a modern landscape. And for me, Gatsby's just, like, party suits and tailored suits for the 1920s and flapper girls, and I... I I've seen costume parties in college and stuff that I know those costumes aren't that difficult to get a hold of, at least from the cheaply made material standpoint. So I'm sure they're much more refined and and put a lot more effort into them for actual Baz Luhrmann movies, obviously. Uh, Mm -hmm. So that's what Gatsby is my do not medal there. I put Anna Karenina at my bronze because of the same thinking and Grand Budapest Hotel, which I think was more aesthetically pleasing because of the Costumes and the stark colors and the contrast. I would wear that lobby boy suit. I know it's not difficult to really find, which I guess kind of make, makes me a hypocrite talking about it. But it's the one that sticks out most in my mind. I would wear that lobby boy suit just like around the house if I could, including the the color hat. schemes. Right?
1: Yeah, the pastels. Yeah, they, they look they the look palette, so yeah. uniquely. So uniquely, Wes Anderson.
0: Too. Exactly. It's it's a very big trademark, and for the reasons you talked about with Mad Max and just. in a way it's minimalist, but in in another way it's minimalist because it's just like dirty shirts and run-down rags, but the accessories are out of control and the accessories are part of the costumes and I think it's tough to replicate and it's maybe something that the most uh, thought was put into beforehand, so that's why I put Mad Max as my gold. but again I think this is a difficult category. I think we're three for three off the top here with just really you gotta come up with subjective reasons to find a way to differentiate between the four winners, which I guess is the whole practice of this when you're picking through the best of the best of the best
1: right but i also think you're you know just have a blind spot to your bias because Mortan joe if he walked out into a wrestling ring he would fit right in (laughs) yes that's true i'm not gonna deny that (laughs) probably has to be a manager because he's not moving very fast but he still he still fits right in with your landscape you're natural landscape there. All right, Mike, best makeup and hairstyling. We'll do this one a little quicker because we have no effing clue. Yeah. (laughs) This category. Yeah.
0: I I put Grand Budapest Hotel as my do not medal only because I I think the biggest – makeup and hairstyling fix. I know you mentioned one of the hairstyles. You're probably going to get into it, but to me, all I could think about is Ray Fiennes' slick back hair, and that took two seconds before set, right? So uh, Grand Budapest Hotel, do, do Not Metal. Dallas Buyers Club, I put at bronze. Uh, the makeup, I think, was a large part in the believability of these two leads, or I guess lead and supporting actor in Jared Leto, suffering from the uh, the disease they have and their deterioration, and just the effect that this disease had in taking them over. I think that played a big role into this category. I put Dallas Buyers Club as my bronze. Mad Max Max is going to do well in all of these undercard categories, just like they did at the actual Oscars themselves, because they are so reliant on the below-the-line stuff. Uh, so I put Mad Max at silver, and Le Miz gets the gold, basically, because Anne Hathaway had the ball to shave her head, and I'm not... That blind that I can't say that was uh, biased, but of these four movies, uh, one of the most stark images that sticks out in my mind when it comes to hair and makeup is a bald or a shaved Anne Hathaway belting out that song, which I'm not a fan of personally, but I can at least appreciate the greatness of it. Uh, uh, there's so much living. That one, you know, I think I nailed it. I think uh, I
1: think we need to move on quickly, but. Unfortunately, again, this is such a tight category, and we don't know what the hell we're talking about. (laughs) That I have my four is your one, and your four is my right (laughs) somehow. So, look, I I give you props for Les Mis. I'm surprised that uh, you went with that, but it makes some sense. The thing for me about Les Mis and why it deserved its award was. No nose hairs. I mean, that camera is up They up are. They
0: nose. are. They do have. Tom Hooper does like his squeezed tight close-ups. I don't know if he edited out the bulges and the vaginas
1: <laughs> the same way. He edited out the nose hairs and Les Mis from from Cats, that, that other movie that he did recently. <laughs> but whatever. I'm, I mean, I'm impressed, but it does get my do not medal. We both have Dallas Buyers Club for the bronze. I've never seen makeup make characters look as strung out yeah. as sickly as sad it really worked to tell the story there uh, my silver was also mad max again these outlandish characters have no business feeling real agree i mean those white silver painted berserker guys the villain that could step into the ring for christ's sake convincingly old and gross and yet formidable uh everybody looked so cool and then everybody walked onto the oscar stage to accept their award looking like they just got out of running a carnival (laughs) so i was very impressed with that to me the grand budapest hotel wins because of two factors number one the coiffed mustachioed beard and mustache game of all of these characters fines goldblum etc i'm so impressed with the facial hair of that movie and then really the the one that set it over the top just like the shaved head for hathaway did for you that beehive hairdo and the makeup (laughs) The vampire makeup on Tilda Swinton. That was my favorite of these four. So I'm going with the Grand Budapest Hotel. Gold for hair and makeup.
0: Now, in the Grand Budapest Hotel, you you just spoke about how the facial hair played a big role for you. Uh, my question, I guess, would be Tony Revolori, who does such a great job as the Lottie Boy in Grand Budapest, does he add points to the makeup and hair styling score or lose points that his facial hair was drawn on by makeup pen?
1: I think that Sersha Ronan's convincing birthmark and and the fact that he they had the audacity the draw on his mustache it just made, it made me happy okay. I liked that. I, I really enjoyed that movie uh,
0: yeah. a follow up question what's your favorite line from Les Mis that you can butcher and sing out of key if you would please?
1: I cannot remember. <laughs> a lyric from Les Mis. I have blocked that out of well, my memory. Mike, some reason.
0: people who just heard me sing would argue that I don't either, so we're in good company there.
1: That's <laughs> cinematography. So Birdman had that gimmick work. Uh, long, you know, First time in a long time. Yeah. The continuous shock gimmick uh, in a reto Lubezki, I mean, winning three times in this uh, Olympiad. Unbelievable. Just uh, Emmanuel Lubezki, one of the all-time greats, if not the GOAT. You know, for for that you know trifecta, it is my do not medal, But again, a tight category here. I, I'm going with gravity for my bronze. This is a tough call because I rewatched it after making this countdown, right. and, and it I might have I don't know. I'm I'm going to leave it there because I just loved Life of Pi. I think the backdrops look real enough. And it it also kind of fits the overall reality of that film because you're kind of guessing what's happening. So I think it really works, and it's just so beautiful. Everything, you know, it's just like one picture painted on a canvas after the next. To me, I've never seen anything look like *The Revenant*, and I just commend them for using natural light. Commend Inarritu for just going guerrilla style with a huge Hollywood production and take going out in the woods. And shooting a movie with just your sunlight and your and your equipment, and then making Leo freeze his nuts off—I can't believe, you know—they they pulled that off. Yeah, and, uh, and he does
0: I, a great job building the tension there too. And obviously, talk about the camera moving around uh, uh, around a CGI type environment. I mean, that bear yeah. fight is obviously the most legendary, most memorable thing from that movie, and it's shot beautifully. The battle at the beginning of the film, and then of course, you know, they
1: had a couple just. Shots at the end of the movie, this you know, symbolic shots about a burning building or, oh, my God. I mean, I just wow. I've never seen anything like The Revenant, so that's what I'm going to go with.
0: I gave Gravity my goal for kind of the same reasoning and, and that you touched on with both The Revenant and that you touched on talking about Gravity before. I've never really seen anything shot like that, and also... The spinning camera and the characters who are clearly being visual effects with their background or up against the green screen or however it was done, half and half mm-hmm. practical and, and CGI, and yet you still can see the reactions on their faces and the emotions on their faces and they don't come off looking or reminding me of how The Rock looked at the end of The Mummy when The Scorpion King debuts. And like, <laughs> it's not that painful to watch and it's actually believable and it looks like it's actually happening to them. I, that's, I gave a lot of credit to the, the cinematography there. Maybe that's wrong Maybe I should have done that with visual effects. I, I don't know, but I chose to give it to cinematography. That's why Gravity Gets My Gold. I gave Birdman the silver because, again, of what you highlighted that first time in a long time, that one continuous shot. And there are some beautiful scenes. I mean, when Ed Norton's talking to Emma Stone up in the balcony, when they're kind of flirting with each other, when they're talking on the rooftop and everything, there's a lot of uh, pretty stuff going on, not to mention how the Birdman himself is shot uh, when he finally does debut. Life of Pi, let me tell you, I, that was my do not medal. I'm being subjective, but The Life of Pi was beautiful. I hold against it the way it ends. And without going deep into spoilers, I have such a sour taste in my mouth from how The Life of Pi ended because it does this beautiful film. It shows all these stark visuals. And then at the end, the way they cap the film is, oh, this is an episode of M.A.S.H. And That's
1: what she sent me last night in a text message. It's so true! I, <laughs> well, I had to delete like seven responses that would have just... Torn down your character so gosh darn fast because I was just gonna make fun of you for being such an old fogey of a person flicking around your television and watching mash. Who the hell are you well, watching MASH at yeah. your age? You're you're 30-something. Let me tell
0: you, you I doing? think that's why he can get away with it. Ang Lee got away with it, and why Life of Pi was such a success, because our generation's not gonna have that callback, say for like two or three of us, and I happen to be one of them. And I'm not gonna sit here <laughs> and have Ang Lee pull a mash over our eyes and And not let him know I know it.
1: Well, that being said, you did not vote for it. It did not meddle. So somehow I am acting as the old fogey Academy member (laughs) and picking the practical effects or the, you know, the gimmick on the cinematography that's done old school. Right. And you're picking the CGI driven stuff. Yeah. Thus far. Yeah. That that, that's a weird debate. We're both hypocrites, I guess, at the end of the day. Sounds right. Let's move on to production design. Michael, you go first on this one. So my
0: Do Not Metal is Lincoln uh, only because I, I don't remember much of anything being wow or the wow factor from the production design of Lincoln. I know the setup, I guess it's production design the way you have to orchestrate such a mass of people moving in and out of some of the shots of that scene as there is. But for for my memory, and, and it's unfair, and again, everything about this is subjective, so you know, deal with it. But from my memory, a lot of the stuff about Lincoln was him arguing in a room with a lot of other senators. Him talking to his wife, played by Sally Fields, in their living room against the fire. Him talking to his son about him wanting to go fight in the war. blah blah. I just don't have that much of an impression about production design having to do with Lincoln. I'm going to have some great things to say about Lincoln as we move on in other categories, but not for production design here. Again, the last three were just awful for me to pick through. I I feel so ashamed having to put Grand <laughs> Budapest Hotel at bronze because it's Wes Anderson, and Wes Anderson should win every production design because he's been able to make every backdrop and background and set that he uses a signature Wes Anderson set and background and backdrop. And yet I have it at bronze just because Mad Max, I think, was that impossibly good with the backdrop they were given, especially with most of it taking place throughout the desert race there. And in the way, Michael, that you're a sucker for lavish dresses from the Victorian era and your Anna Karenina get-ups. Maybe I'm a sucker for big parties held in the 1920s against mansions in places that I will never have enough money or esteem to be invited to, and that's why I put Gatsby in my gold.
1: The master shots of The Great Gatsby, some of them are just wonderful. Yeah. Yeah, you want want to live there. I still take points off for the CGI backgrounds, and I I do consider that part of the uh, production design here, even though I kind of, you know, took points off in another category for it as well. So it is my do not medal. It's another category where we have, you know, the polar opposites in many ways, with a few exceptions. Lincoln is my bronze. Everything looked historically accurate. Everything oh, looked like it came out of a photograph. One of the few photographs of that time that, you know, you see in your history classes and your history books. So that made some sense. There were a couple, you know, wow moments on Capitol Hill. Like you said, the battlefield makes it a worthy winner. I mean, all four of these are worthy winners, I would say. Mad Max is also my silver, uh, again, the wackadoo. Like, the home-based, Immortan Joe's home base. (laughs) Are you kidding me? It's like the Lion King meets the Fifth Element. It's it's the weirdest you got this futuristic, retro-futuristic thing going on. It's bizarro world, and it works somehow. To me, I have Grand Buddha Post, Pe- Grand Buddha P- Poop Hotel. What was I going to call it? It's just so unique. It's so Wes. Uh, Here's where I give the color schemes a lot of credit. I mean, the hotel is literally the setting of the movie, and it's the title of the film for a reason. So I I loved every moment of it, and it's one of his strengths as a filmmaker. He grounds you in such a unique world. Every single story he tells, that's why I'm really looking forward to The French Dispatch. That's why I think uh, you're right when you say that Wes Anderson should be nominated every time he makes a film for Best Production Design. He deserves it.
0: It's so... Like, Mad Max is so good that I couldn't put it lower than second. Mm -hmm. So if I were to change two, it would probably be first and third and not two numbers that are next to each other, which makes (laughs) no sense. And that's how I ended up. I I feel such shame. Grand Budapest deserves better than bronze in that category. I'm an idiot. Best original song, Michael. Well, I think we have the same four here. Uh This was tough as well. Much tougher
1: because since we started the James Bond character study, I have been listening to Sam Smith's writings on the wall from Spectre and loving it every time. I leave it on during my playlist. So that's a song that's grown on me. It still doesn't crack into the top three though because the top three are awesome we have Selma with that great performance from John Legend gaining his egot with this i think one of the youngest egot ever i just researched that but i don't know if this put him over the top for the egot hmm. or not but you know John Legend and Common that performance that was meaningful the movie got overlooked so Selma gets my bronze but you got two all-timers yeah. Adele belting out Skyfall has to be the silver and then frozen i'll let you gush about frozen's uh let it go i feel
0: so dirty again having adele and having that song not be gold but i i we've talked a billion times over frozen's let it go might be one of the three or four best original songs Of all time in that an original song has to walk that tightrope between being a legitimate pop sensation and also being fitting enough for like a musical and a Broadway hit. And Adina Menzel is Broadway hits. So Mm -hmm. it just makes sense. And it's certainly catchy enough. And it's a Disney song. And how do you not feel good about that? And uh, I'm so sorry, Adele. Please, please don't make a song about me sliding you because it'll destroy me and it'll be a hit. And you had two Adele's
1: win those two years. You had Adele Laurie Blue Atkins is her full name, by the way. And then, of course, Adele Dazeem, the <laughs> household name. Uh, John Travolta.
0: I thought it was Coyster. Kazim. I think you're missing a K there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: All right. Best original score, Michael. This was also
0: pretty hard. It's never. These are just unbelievable categories. I mean, that's a comment to how great a job the Academy did, I guess, in picking winners of this four year stretch here. So did Mm. not medal. I put Grand Budapest Hotel. We have the same reasoning. It's a delightful score. It's just I don't know that it's all that memorable in in contrast. Yeah,
1: I I have the same thought. It's just I can't I can't pull a note out of that score and, and without going to the YouTube and that ultimately dooms this plot yet again. That's what doomed him for me with The Shape of Water. I just can't remember it, and I don't know. I don't know which song to click on in the YouTube playlist to give me the signature melody from that movie. I guess I I, I meant to rewatch Grand Budapest again because I love it so much, but I I didn't do that for this uh, Olympiad. So
0: for the final three, the bronze, silver, and gold, I put Life of Pi bronze. I put Gravity silver, and Hateful Eight gold. I, I believe mm-hmm. Hateful Eight being gold is the right call. And- and- and Morricone's work there, right? Uh, I- you could put these three in any order, though I think, and I would like Hateful Eight being bronze. I think is the only thing I might have a big issue with because it's so good and so memorable. But what about you? How did you parse through those three?
1: So I had Gravity as my bronze, Life of Pi as my silver, and Hateful Eight as my gold. I mean. I think Morricone's score just encapsulates that entire film. I think that's why, you know, Tarantino just zooms in slowly on a s- tombstone statue for the first, you know, five minutes of the movie. So good. I mean, it, it's it's such a great score. Like he didn't even direct Morricone on the score. He just like, you know, write some music for me, and then he just leads <laughs> the film with it. That's what it, Tarantino thought of Morricone's score for *The Hateful Aid. So I agree with you. Gold medal all day. Gravity and Life of Pi are tough. I think if I'm in space, I want to hear some of the gravity score, but then I don't want to hear the rest of it. Oh, that's interesting. That means if, I would be sp- <laughs> If I was
0: an astronaut, what would I want to hear most <laughs> in space going through what I'm going through with Sandra Bullock there?
1: Yeah. Yeah, so I can't. I would probably want to hear the Life of Pi. Right. got uh, l- to l- put you at ease and
0: let you know everything's okay. Yeah. <laughs>
1: That's right. So that that's how I parse through those two idiotically.
0: <laughs> I appreciate I appreciate the thought. I can get behind it best documentary feature. I know you are not a fan of Citizen 4, correct? I had a tough time watching
1: that movie. It's 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 well made. It just infuriated me on so many levels. I I, I don't know if it's the story, the, obviously the real life situation being as just clouded as it was at the time when I saw it. In 2014, 15, 2014. So maybe that's the thing. Maybe I was just, you know, such an Obama stand that I was like, yeah, I'm mad at him too. Or right. maybe I shouldn't have been.
0: Right. Yeah. I. It's it's a polarizing. It's a divisive issue. It's it's complex. I mean, maybe it's gotten a little more clarity with time and it's, I, I, God, the issues. How do you? get mad at a guy who's trying to tell everyone that, hey, all the rumors and speculation about how the government can have access to you at any time they want is actually true, and here's the evidence, and yet he's seen as this traitor. It's such a... But that's the kind of controversy and the convolution that I thrive on, and that's why I gave Citizen Four my silver in this category. I thought they did a really good job. It's a biased portrayal, but I think it kind of has to be, otherwise Snowden probably wouldn't have agreed to the extent that that film covers. Well, it, again, four good movies
1: here. Yeah. At the end of the day, and I'm sure if I rewatch Citizen Four after listening to him, you know, tell his story again and again in you know these last few years, I have come to respect him so much more, and my feelings on him have changed. To be to be honest with you, so I'm am with you there. Twenty uh, Feet from Stardom is my bronze. Uh, another, I mean, three great music documentaries. This was the Olympiad of music documentaries. For sure. So apples to apples with these three. 20 Feet from Stardom is a a happier tale, for the most part, about backup singers, and I just, I loved it. It's on Netflix now, I I still think. Amy was my silver, that was, it broke my heart, such great music involved, you know, what a a tough movie to to get through, but at the same time, she had some triumphs Mm. throughout her career. An all-timer for me, one of my favorite documentaries ever, is Searching for Sugar Man, and you agree with me. I
0: have that song because I lost my job two weeks before Christmas, that Because song, it's in my playlist. Uh, it's great. I'm glad that movie was made. I'm glad Sugarman got his recognition that was so well-deserved after kind of yeah. just kind of fading into oblivion uh, all those years ago. But yeah, I'm with you. Searching for Sugarman is my gold. Citizen Four, like I said, is my silver. Amy, I put it my bronze, and it's another bronze medal where I'm like, how the hell is it that low? But I can't put it higher. 23 right. From Stardom is a very good watch, but it's just a do not medal. She was gone
1: way too early, unfortunately. All right, best foreign language film, as it was called at the time. It is now properly called best international film, Michael, and you're deferring to me here.
0: Yeah, I thought about lying, but
1: uh, (laughs) I'm not going to.
0: I'm not going to pretend I've seen any of these because I haven't. There are some uh, memorable names here in both director and title, but you have seen all four of these, so I will defer to your judgment, sir.
1: Well, to be fair, I watched three of these for the first time for this recording. Mm-hmm. So these movies are films that we kind of stay away from for a reason. This is the greatest parade of sadness <laughs> I have ever <laughs> gotten through in my life michael these movies are just brutal more is about an elderly man taking care of his wife as she has a series of strokes Jesus. it is heartbreaking it's also infuriating because there's no hospice care option for them there's no medical attention that is competent Ugh. so basically what you have here is just an old man tr- doing his best to take care of his wife and then failing miserably and it's it just rips your heart heart out it's a historical document, perhaps, you know, for times past or for, you know, areas of the world that doesn't have access to proper medical care that uh, needs to be seen. And that, and the performances are tremendous. There's no reason to discount the fact that this was a crossover nominee that year. So Michael Haneke and company, I'm, I'm really impressed with this movie. I will never watch it
0: again. <laughs> yeah, well, and the sadness doesn't end there. <laughs>
1: So, Ida Akowski, who just came out with Cold War, he's a genius. I mean, he's a visual genius, especially. Lucas Zal was one of the co-cinematographers. just got nominated for, for Cold War a few years back. This movie, the sparse settings, again, every shot is like a new painting on a canvas. The cinematography of Ida is on another level, but it also tells a sneaky, great story that, again, rips your freaking heart out. Um <laughs> It, it, the biggest problem with this movie is it's short. It's 82 minutes, but it feels like it's 82 days long. Oh no! I mean, this is a <laughs> slow-moving film. It's not an easy watch. It's still great though, and it's going to go down as perhaps like Ingmar Bergman levels of oh, wow. uh, capability. It's that it's that well-made. I would say Silver is Son of Saul for me. It is the most horrifying story. <laughs> about a concentration camp that I've ever witnessed and I've seen a bunch of them in school and not, I mean the gray zone is the same subject matter I would say so the the gray zone if you guys are familiar with that one uh, I, think, uh, I think your heavyweight champion from WCW was in that movie Mike, to try and take this on a lighter note, what was his name, the actor who was also heavyweight champion for a minute Arquette? Come on, Arquette yeah David Arquette was in the gray zone but Look, Son of Saul is going to give me nightmares for the rest of my life. It is such a sad, insane, and powerful film about World War II. Oh, my God. I just... I don't even know how to review it. Everything
0: about this is just sad. (laughs) It's just making me
1: depressed. Well, the the only movie that isn't a horrifying watch, even though it's still sad and soul-crushing, is The Great Beauty. And it's basically a redux of uh, Fellini's La Dolce Vita, and my Italian bias shines through here. It's the only movie that I wasn't crying or just cringing through. I loved all the dance party montages. So you get some of those. It's a bunch of old people doing a train atop a rooftop uh, a bunch of times. So
0: Does anyone of them just works? fall off or walk off under their own accord to really keep the tone and tenor going?
1: they want to and they talk about doing so so that why th- that's why this movie gets deep under your skin and it's a hard movie to forget but Sorrentino can direct a sprawling story so this gets my gold by default all i right, guess let's, i should
0: say that's good job by you i'm sorry you had to do that but I, i'm glad they were at least all worthwhile watches but my lord let's try to turn on to some happier stuff and talk about best animated feature here which of these four uh years had some big heavy hitters my do not metal was big hero six and that's mm. mainly because the other three i think are just like all timers in terms of animated sure. films Inside Out is my bronze, and Brave is my silver, and I know that's going to have a lot of Disney fans ire <laughs> and coming for me with pitchforks and torches. I don't blame you, but when we did our Pixar rewatch series, I had Brave as in my top six, and Inside mm-hmm. Out was, I think, in my number ten, and I'm sticking to that. Brave was just one of the more impressed I've been with a film in terms of expectations and what I've heard versus what I actually saw when I sat down to watch it. All of that, though, is to say Frozen, I think, is one of the best animated films of all time in terms of marketability, in terms of content, in terms of box office, in terms of what an animated film should do and make you feel and what the message should be. And also, hey, by the way, can you sell toys to kids with it? Uh, As (laughs) Disney is always worried about, Frozen is my number one there with the gold.
1: So I agree with you on Frozen as the number one. It is the clear winner. The way they... You know, gave you a just a, a different way to tell that fairy tale story. They broke so many conventions. I was so impressed. I avoided that movie for years, having only listened to the song, and I, I don't know why I did that. I just I thought it was a little girl's movie, and yet it was a a film that just really got to me and spoke to me. Yeah. It's a great movie. Period. I did not consult my Pixar award show. Oh, I don't remember. You're you actually did your homework. I am the slacker in the class for this. I think you're holding true
0: though, because if I remember right, I I know I had Brave at least four or five slots higher than you did, and I think you had Inside Out within your top seven. I'm not. I'm not positive though. Brave was my most improved
1: player upon rewatch. Mm -hmm. Right? I mean, Brave gained the most points. Yeah, we were both very
0: very impressed with it.
1: So it 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 moved into that B plus A minus territory for me, but Inside Out still, even you know, thinking back, I I have it ranked very high. It broke me. I can't believe a Snuffleupagus character, animated by computers, (laughs) can break my spirit the way this one did at the end. You know, somewhere in Inside Out, but I just you know, trigger warning out there for folks. Yeah, the parade of friends.
0: sadness you've had to deal with over these past five to seven minutes of uh, episode time here is really a, just one for the record books.
1: <laughs> so that's why Inside Out gets my silver. but And yeah, Brave works its way into meddling for me uh, because I love Big Hero 6, too. I mean, I'm a big fan. It's good.
0: Yeah, it's very good. Yeah, Brave gets my bronze.
1: But uh, th- that another tough category, Michael. Uh, best Adapted Screenplay now, and we're going to differ yet again for do not meddling, I have twelve years a slave, and I have a problem that I'll go into later on.
0: I think it's well I don't founded. Know. I think it's. I, I, I might I understand be wrong. It. I understand. I it completely. might be
1: wrong. I don't know, but yeah, the imitation game gets my bronze. I think it has its strengths and weaknesses in that screenplay. I think the ending really sticks a landing for the imitation game. That really, again, broke my heart and, and, and spoke to me. The big short gets my silver and argo gets my bronze i won't talk about the big short because you're gonna gush over that in a second yeah. again argo had no business with as little plot being as uh, a thrilling as it was i i don't know how affleck and company did it chris terrio there I, i'm so thoroughly impressed with basically guys go to a production meeting guys take photos in a, in a town square they go to the airport. That's the movie. And yet <laughs> it's the most suspenseful thing. It's the most, you know, thrilling thing I ever watched. So I'm, I'm uh, it, it, that speaks to the talent of the screenwriting in my opinion.
0: Yeah. I have uh, degree of difficulty in adapting the story is also why I have Argo so high, but it's why I gave the big short, my gold. We flip flopped yep. every two spaces. I have the imitation game is my do not metal. 12 years of slave is my bronze Argo, my silver big short is my gold because the big short takes really complex in depth and, difficult to understand mathematical and financial matters and basically has them explained away with the ease of margot robbie in a bubble bath which i think is one of the more creative screenwriting i don't even know what the hell you call innovations i guess uh that adam mckay was able to pull off and he does this repeatedly throughout his scripts he comes up with these uber creative ways to get the message across that makes you think either it makes something very complex really easy or he takes something very simple and makes it super complex kind of like he did a couple times with in Vice in that script so uh, big short i think that might have had one of the highest degree of difficulties in terms of translating the subject matter to all audiences and he did a wonderful job as far as i'm concerned and that's why i gave it the gold I think you should say Christian Bale
1: behind a drum set or Steve Carell having Ajita. But I, I Mar- Margot Robbie was in Wolf of Wall Street in bubble baths, I think.
0: No, she's in the big uh, short. She has a pop-in. He he has a pop-in, a slide-in of Margot Robbie explaining a part of the, the financial collapse of 2008. And he says, here's Margot Robbie in a bubble bath to explain. And she explains one part of bank loans, and then it goes back. And that's the only oh cameo God. she has in that movie.
1: I am... Astonished by that level of cynicism. <laughs> and I guess I got to rewatch The Big Short. But I, I also love The Big Short. I read that book from Michael Lewis. I'm a huge Michael Lewis fan because I can't get enough of everything he writes. And he's got a podcast now, too, by the way. But degree of difficulty, we both kind of had those at the top. You picked one, I picked the other. Uh, again, a great exercise here. Uh, The
0: Oscar Olympics agree completely. And I, this speaking of degree of difficulty in terms of difficulty in practice, I think best original screenplay was my most difficult category to parse through.
1: Wow. So yeah, no, take, take us off here, Mike.
0: I did her as a do not medal. And It it basically flip a coin. Django can go anywhere from bronze to gold, as far as I'm concerned. I understand the criticisms that are against it. We have them ourselves. But Mm -hmm. still, in terms of handling that type of story and turning it into not only this slave drama, but this action, basically superhero story that he does uh, with... really minimal, it doesn't it's not difficult to keep up with, it's a realistic plot in terms of Tarantino being able to have realistic plots anyway but Django I put as my bronze because Birdman I think took some underlying subject matter made it very plain and literal on the face of it, but it wasn't on the nose you still had to do your work and following it and understanding what was happening even though they didn't really try to be cute or hide anything about it it was very articulate it was very easy to follow and it made sense which i think is asking uh, a lot from some scripts but it shouldn't quite frankly and spotlight you know how i feel about news dramas i think that's one of the best written films we've had in the past uh, however many years you want to talk about so that's again a parsing through it's very difficult because they're all very, very close, but that's what I came up with. What about you, Mike?
1: So, yeah, I see this one a little differently, but I can't really begrudge you too much. The, the only thing that where I probably would be a stickler to, the, to my argument, my past arguments, and I guess go listen to it in our Tarantino character study, I want to say, our Tarantino rewatch series, that is, I had major issues with the Django Unchained screenplay. I had issues with the events of the screenplay and how I thought you know, Tarantino gave the movie away to a side character that just really pissed me off. But I also had issues with, you know, the the moment to moment language of it. I know you did too. Yeah. To me, that's just gonna keep it out of the metal territory here. And I'm surprised that you know you don't have her higher because I think you would be in love with a robot. I was because like, really you soon. just I, like, you
0: could just see me handing around an apartment and falling in love with Alexa, which I can. I can see it.
1: I would think that's (laughs) you're lying right now that hasn't happened yet
0: if it hasn't it's going to happen in the next 18 months
1: (laughs) but I do agree with you on the top two at least being those two movies Spotlight and Birdman I just have them in the other order I I have Spotlight some of its parts I'm going to give Spotlight some more credit later I I figured this was the spot to give Birdman credit look at me at at being an academy voter at looking at my whole card spread that wealth The the highs of Birdman, to me, just really speak to me. I loved the unreliable narration. I loved that as a device. I loved how they deal with drugs in this movie. I loved how they used Ed Norton in that meta way as being such a full-of-himself type of character. So I just really love Birdman's story and its execution. There's a lot of plot for a continuing shot there. I'm I'm very impressed with it.
0: It's one of those movies that takes the subtext and. turns it into a superhero <laughs> that follows the main <laughs> character down the road. But again, I didn't feel like it was ever preaching to me or slapping me in the face with obviousness or being punching me in the nose with any kind of plot points. It, it's a really, really well done uh, script and adaptation to screen.
1: Alright, I don't think this next category was all that difficult. I don't either. And I think we, we both see it the same way, Michael. So, best supporting actress, how about you tell the story? Please?
0: So, Patricia Arquette, we have talked about in passing on this show before in terms of boyhood, we both are impressed with how that movie was shot, but maybe not how it came off. I think I give it a little more reverence than you do because you've said some pretty mean things about the way the, yeah. the way it was uh, ended up on screen over the time. I'm such a story
1: junkie that when you have disjointedness and inconsistencies in the storytelling, it just really bothers me. Like, to me, that was eight short films or something, and it was boring. And I just, I can't, maybe I have to rewatch it, because I love Richard Linklater. I love his before trilogy. I love the audacity of this project. But I would rather watch a documentary about making Boyhood than watch Boyhood again yeah. I hated that movie more than I've hated an Oscar nominee in a long damn time and Patricia Arquette is being dragged away with my <laughs> hatred there it's not her fault <laughs> I think she's always good and I'm sure she's always good if I rewatch Boyhood I think her TV work has been phenomenal over the last few years but that was an easy do not meddle for me for that reason
0: I like to think that was just a makeup call for the, the Academy overlooking her in Nightmare on Elm Street 3 of the Dream Warriors. Uh, oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, of course. <laughs> we pulled that in Hathaway as our bronze. I always get a little chapped when an actress or actor singing in real time or singing on film is given appreciation and adulation as if that's not where most of them all started anyway and there's not a whole separate category and industry for that like just go to Broadway I know Les Mis is a play just go to and I know there's all kinds of musical fans out there who get upset when I say things like that and want to see these things adapted into film I've never been a big musical guy as is and quite frankly Anne Hathaway has a tendency to overact sometimes I think I don't know if that's how I actually feel or if that's just me piling on to all the abject hate that Anne Hathaway the way it tends to get from people over time. So I had her at bronze. It's a fine performance.
1: If you're going to grab for an Oscar in a weaker year and win then this is like the textbook performance. Yeah. I mean, she put on a clinic on how to do it. And, yeah, a lot of people have criticized that role for being one of the weaker supporting actress wins in a while. But I, I also agree with you. I think it's it's strong. She hits a couple of loud notes, both literally and figuratively, <laughs> in terms of the performance. And, uh, I, yeah, I, I do give her some credit there. It doesn't come close to our top two, though. Because, no,
0: and, and Alicia Vikander and Lupita Nyong'o, yeah. I think, are obviously the top two it's impossible. This is more has to do with Lapita than anything Alicia doesn't do or does or doesn't do I should say right. in the Danish girl. It's impossible to put Lapita Nyong'o anywhere but cold for what she does in 12 Years a Slave at least from where I sit. I mean the emotional connection you have with her character in that movie and what ends up happening to that character if you don't feel just in rage and sadness and anger yeah. and every kind of borderline psychotic emotion that can send you into a spiral for days after watching what happens with her in 12 Years a Slave and it doesn't doesn't make you immediately want to run to your laptop and do some research throughout the the historical atrocities that have happened. I, I don't know what to say. She was magnificent in that movie.
1: It was one of her first big movies, too. So it showed her brilliance yeah. from the get-go. I mean, she was a longtime student, I know, at Yale. Her, ba- her backstory is fascinating. So it took her a while to break through. But once she did, I mean, my goodness. I mean, her career has been on an upward trajectory. And in supporting roles, too, Mike. Like, she has been... Hesitant to take the lead roles And for ridiculous Stupid reasons People have been hesitant to offer her lead roles Well look what just happened last year I mean what a shit
0: show She should be a two time Oscar winner She should have won the best actress last year
1: She's going to be a lead actress. She's going to be a movie star going forward. And, yeah, this should be her second or first of two Oscars because of how brilliant she is. I was surprised. I had to watch The Danish Girl for this episode today, and I was surprised how good Alicia Vikander is in this. I mean, I don't know if you could say it's underrated because she won an Oscar for The Danish Girl's performance there. But my goodness, she is stunning in this movie. She making me... You know, tears well yeah. up. I, I I can't get over how, how much she worked on me in this.
0: Uh, I was very impressed. She, I think, if we were to re-vote on the Danish Girl Performances, I could see hers holding up. I wonder if we have a little regret about what we did with Eddie Redmayne as a... I say we, but I'm not part of the Academy, so it's your fault. Right. But uh, <laughs> what the Academy did with Eddie Redmayne in that movie, and we'll talk about it in a couple minutes. As Oscar pundits, Mike, always remember... Principle number one:
1: We can always blame <laughs> other people. Pass that people. buck, baby. <laughs> Best supporting actor. I guess I'll start off with this one. I never got the Mark Ryland. Same. Pick. I know it was a weak year. I know that you had the legacy uh, situation with Sylvester Stallone involved, but the fact that he went woo, 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 and cried <laughs> in the in the locker, it was. It really was a great scene, and it was the only scene where he could have, you know, grabbed for an Oscar in that film, but it really worked on me. I don't know. I was raised by the Rocky movies. I guess I'm biased, but uh, I'm still bitter at that uh, that Oscar race.
0: I mean, that was a loaded supporting actor year too i think Fred lance might have been fifth of the five i'm not a sylvester Stallone guy either i think the the vote for rylance or so the vote for anyone else was people saying wait a minute isn't this movie just rocky with cancer uh i'm sorry but that's exactly what creed was it was just rocky redone for a new generation that's how i see it which wasn't to say it's bad but i don't know that it's necessarily uh something that we need to give oscars to in 2016 or 2015 when it came out but You had Rylands from Bridges Spies. You had Christian Bale from the Big Short. Mark Ruffalo from Spotlight. Tom Hardy from the Revenant. I mean, those. I would have been fine with pretty much. I think Revenant might have been fifth of five for me in terms of that category.
1: I'd have to rewatch Hardy, but Hardy and Bale at least make sense on the top tier of that year. Ruffalo should have disqualified himself for that big blowout speech. They let it happen! They did it to kids! That's a terrible moment in that film. Almost (laughs) disqualifies the film. All right, so we we've gone. We said we weren't going to do this and go back. I know, I know the races, but that was one where I now I started it. It's my fault. All right, so bronze goes to Waltz again. I don't think it's his movie. I don't think it's his fault. He gets a lot of screen time in that film. I think I just have the bias that you have in other Oscar Olympics or that you've talked about previously with like Damien Chazelle, for instance, last episode, I think Waltz was so much better in inglorious bastards that I'm like, he doesn't need anything. Yeah. You're probably right. If it's close, I'm voting for Leto, and Leto broke my heart in that movie. I know that 2020 Eyes looks back at that casting decision differently, and I do think that Daniela Vega would have been a better pr- choice and a more appropriate pick in, in a role like that. She was awesome and a fantastic woman and, and ripped my heart out the same way, but I do give Leto credit for what he's able to perform there. To me, J.K. Simmons, in a biased way, he gives the very best performance of a bad mentor, a bad coach, a bad adult, <laughs> the best bad performance I've ever seen in terms of just his liter- literal character, not his character in the structure of an ensemble. The character, his moral character, is the worst thing i ever seen, and I hate him, and I love to hate him because J.K. <laughs> Simmons is so damn good.
0: Yeah, Simmons is one of those things where I can't put him lower than second. I have Waltz as my gold. I should... Probably put Leto there. And I think the more I look at it, the more I want to put Leto as my gold and switch Waltz and Leto in another. That's another case where I think two needs to stay the same because it can't go any lower than two, but one and three might need to flip flop. So I'm going to do that. I'm going to put Leto as my gold officially. I'm going to move it on the dock right now. And Christoph Waltz, who was my gold at the last second, he finishes with a bronze. Even though uh, looking at this category, I realized about myself, I am a sucker for category fraud. And I'm willing to uh, to do that and vote for right, the category
1: fraud. So you have to remember later on. You need to give Dallas Buyers Club one more gold Yeah, because I tallied it up previously. So just FYI, that may change your rankings at the end of the day. So hopefully you can remember that because I sure as hell won't. Yeah, there's Michael. no shot at that. Go ahead. <laughs> Best Actor. We'll stay with the guys here. I have Red Main in my Do Not medal, even though I thought his, his performance was excellent and it's really difficult to – convey what he has to convey later in that film for obvious reasons, but I still th- thought he did a phenomenal job. Are
0: we overrating it a little bit historically?
1: I'm just saying, you know, it's a really good, damn good performance. It, is. it and is. It's so good that, you know, he's given one of his first, you know, Oscar nominations, or that was his first Oscar nomination, and he won, right? Yeah. But that doesn't happen that often. Usually you got to pay your dues, so... There's a reason he
0: won. We have the same top four here as well with Redmayne doing the did not medal. Leo from The Revenant, he gets the bronze. McConaughey from Dallas Buyers Club gets silver. Daniel Day-Lewis is the gold. Daniel Day-Lewis gets the gold because it's one of the greatest, best actor performances ever. He became Lincoln. He was Abraham Lincoln reincarnated on that film. I think Leo, for both of us, It it wasn't Wolf of Wall Street. Like, he was so much better for both of us in Wolf of Wall Street than why not, why he should have won the Oscar for Wolf of Wall Street. The Revenant, by many people's accounts, was basically the mea culpa to him not winning for Wolf of Wall Street. Uh, And if you compare those two performances, it's going to leave a sour taste in the mouth of critics, I think, for what he did in The Revenant.
1: So, McConaughey's performance actually grew on me over the years. I'm surprised. Because I was kind of upset at the time because I didn't think it was close to Leo's performance in The Wolf of Wall Street. But rewatching Dallas Buyers Club, he's excellent. And nobody's played strung out and sickly uh, like he played it there. I just thought he's tremendous. Yeah, DDL is the GOAT, Daniel Day-Lewis, in both our minds. And at many a time throughout our Oscar podcasting history, we have called him one of the best ever for good reason. Mm -hmm. I have to rewatch The Revenant. I, I, ju- I don't know how good Leo is in that. I don't remember being all that impressed with him. And I remember Sad. being upset that he won for this and not that. Yeah. So... This is kind of one of those scenarios where we couldn't rewatch 30 movies for this podcast. So <laughs> we, we tried. We came close. <laughs> we did try. All right. Best Actress, Mike, you start us off. We have opposite picks here. Yeah, we
0: do. I put Jennifer Lawrence for Silver Linings Playbook as a do not medal. I feel bad about it. I, I don't really have a reason other than to say the top two kind of broke my heart. And I think if you're going to make an argument that one person might have been a little overrated or a little overacting in a role or gotten a little too much credit because of she was in a, a likable movie with a likable ensemble, it'd certainly be her uh, over Kate Blanchett for Blue Jasmine. But that's the ranking I have. And uh, with apologies to the Lawrence camp, uh, we'll have to cancel our interview with her. Jennifer Lawrence, do not meddle. Kate Blanchett is my Julianne Moore, still Alice, Rewatched that last night, literally cried. Uh, that's a little mm-hmm. too close to home with what I've dealt with with an immediate family member. So I'm biased, but I'm going to let that stand. But Brie Larson in room. I think that's, for me, one of the best lead actress performances of all time. And I think it's, Mm. in a way, even underrated, kind of the way you were talking about Alicia Vikander before. Even though she won the Best Actress for it, and she's known primarily from either that or Captain Marvel, that certainly is what propelled her into Captain Marvel, I just think it goes by the wayside. It doesn't get thought of in terms of the all-time performances. She is in every scene of that movie and has to play not only this abused woman at the hands of her captor, She has to play the strong mother, but she also has to play a mentally abused daughter in the way her parents treat her when she does do what she does in that movie in terms of her captor. It's just it's stunning her on screen in that film.
1: There's a lot of film Twitter hate out there for Bray Larson in Room, and I wonder if that influenced me because I didn't rewatch Room for this one. I remember loving that film. I remember loving Brie Larson's career as it just took off. You were a big short term oh,
0: 12 person too with her. Short term
1: 12, thank you. I mean, I was a huge fan of that movie and I was a huge fan. Of, I, I had no qualms with her winning that year, you know, thinking back to my psyche. I do think you and I have a younger actress, actor bias at times. Like, we want to see the younger kid win. Oh, great. We want to see the career start off with a bang. I wonder if we think that we're cooler when we say such things. I don't know, but (laughs) I I never think
0: think I'm cool, Mike. So I don't, I don't know if that's going to stack up.
1: I do think you're lying (laughs) here, but Michael (laughs) Brie Larson is my do not metal. And it was a tough call because I, I, to me, there's like a, there's one mountaintop performance here and it's Kate Blanchett and blue Jasmine. Can't argue it. Yeah. I I just, you know, she's such a basket case in that movie that her and the fish fucker just back and forth, (laughs) The whole time. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. But, yeah, she's in there, too. And I love her. And I love her and everything. And she, I mean, for Christ's sake, I think she was in Anna Karenina, too, in like a bit part, just starting off her career. And everybody was in Anna Karenina, by the way. So, Cate Blanchett's my gold. I think she's tip top of the mountain there. I hate the director of that movie, but it's still great. Jennifer Lawrence, this is a biased pick. (laughs) I just want to be... I just want to hang with her, be friends, just be in the same room at some point because she's so cool. And even though she's so crazy, I'd be afraid of her. But another character in shambles that just. Such a strange performance from her as well. J Law being uniquely bizarre in that film. Just not taking lines the way you'd think they'd be take Giving you, you know, the Stank Eye and making me afraid of her Stank Eye that whole movie. I, I'm a big fan. Julianne Moore, for the same reasons you said, you know, I've had. Uh, grandparents deal with Alzheimer's and it's just it's a tough watch but it's uh it's something that does hit home a little bit for me not uh, more for you and unfortunately but uh she's she's much better than you remember too and and, and she was a runaway that year I think for a reason I think the older you get the more you have to reckon with that actuality
0: and it it, it makes sense yeah it's I I was literally tearing up last night rewatching it so it's uh not, not an easy performance on her part as well, and, she, and from what I know firsthand about uh, dealing with something like that, and like you said, you do too. I, I mean, she absolutely nailed it. Um, but yeah. But
1: Kate Blanchett, I meant to mention this, Mike, sorry for yeah. cutting you off, but Kate Blanchett reminded me of Gina Rowlands from A Woman Under the Influence, John oh. Cassavetes movie. I wanted to make that comparison because I haven't seen a character in shambles to that extent since uh, a woman under the influence and that was such a whacked out performance from Blanchett
0: and talk about four winners who play characters who are all in unbelievably difficult situations mentally I mean Brie Larson's obviously physically as well but she's also has to deal with the, the trauma of being in that physical situation uh just flawed characters range of emotion Great job on all four of those. It's a very, very strong Best Actress quartet. Let's move on to Best Director. We can start wrapping up the last two categories here, Michael.
1: Yeah, we both see this one the same way. I kind of changed my picks after rewatching Gravity. So Gravity gets both our golds, Mm -hmm. and we both have Inaritu's Birdman not meddling, and we have Inaritu's The Revenant meddling. We both have uh, Ang Lee's uh, Life of Pi and Bronze, and I should have said The Revenant in Silver. So... How did you parse through this one?
0: I think Gravity was the easiest for me, Uh, again, just with degree of difficulty and the stuff that was going on, and as I researched the the behind-the-scenes footage and how certain things were shot, there just seemed to be... This is, again, bias. I'm not on set. I don't know this, but just from an outsider's perspective, it seemed to be there were more variables at work in dealing in the direction of gravity than there were with these other movies. Life of Pi is probably the second most in terms of that and and integrating technology into the way things are shown. Life of Pi has moments where I get taken out of the movie because it's... Uh, Like I said earlier, I'm looking at a green screen or I'm looking at a fake tiger. And it's a shame because of how much it doesn't seem that way for the majority. But when you're dealing with the best of the best, you're going to have these little moments. And one little moment is going to be able to disqualify you from a snarky jackass guy like me sitting in a basement talking into a microphone. So how dare you, Ang Lee, not be perfect all the way through. That's on you. As far as Birdman doing a do not metal I think you could flip a coin, as far as I'm concerned. I mean, it's it's a really good directorial job. I don't know that it rises to the level of Life of Pi, and if I'm going to have Life of Pi third, it's just a matter of how many other places can I put Birdman. But it's not to take anything away from certainly the job that Ineritu did in that. I thought it was superb. Here's where
1: what I've said previously about the Best Director category being a composition award in my mind... It comes back to haunt me because the Revenant is not as good of a composition as Birdman, not even close, yeah, right? Probably, maybe Life of Pi, you know, would be above it as well. So I wonder if I'm getting it wrong based on my own rubric here. But the the wow moments of the Revenant are so good, and I probably should give them credit for cinematography or this or that, right? But it's a, it's the same point. I, I gave Querone credit for Roma, and I didn't think that was necessarily as good of a composition as it was, you know, this part or that part. It's not a sum of its parts pick for me, for my silver. But I'm gonna go. I'm gonna stick with it here, even though I'm tempted to change things around. But I, I can't put Birdman over Life of Pi, and I right. think Ang Lee, just managing all the technological breakthroughs of that film, and, and telling a great story within it. And copying M.A.S.H. and adapting that episode of M.A.S.H. the way he did, Michael.
0: Speaking my language now.
1: I heard that somewhere. But I look. I think. I think, uh, I think th- this is another tough category to parse through for really strong directorial jobs. There's a reason why the Three Amigos. There's a reason why Ang Lee's been here before. Uh, so I'm, I'm just very impressed.
0: Yeah, Ang Lee, stick to this, man. Let's stop. Stop with the de aging. Stop with the Will Smithing. Come back to us. Do this. Uh, do this Life of Pi type stuff. Do the Brokeback he, Mountain type stuff for us.
1: I, I just think Ang Lee's got to make sure he's got a good story. I, I know he kind of gets down the rabbit holes with the technology first and foremost dude make sure you got a great story because when you have it you you make an oscar nominated oscar winning film time and again man he's 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 always up
0: there i'm convinced studio intervention plays a role in the the productions he's helmed that haven't that have gone awry uh it just seems to be yeah i I don't i have nothing to base that on it's just into but i've convinced myself of that and that's where we're at right now we could wrap up final category best picture michael Okay. So 12
1: Years a Slave is my do not medal and I'm just maybe it's 2020 eyes but I'm just sick of the white savior complex. I know this is an adaptation of the diary of this story, so the tr- the true story, and it's built off of the true story. So maybe I'm just being too sensitive here and I'm an asshole for thinking I'm woke or something because this story for an hour and 45 minutes you're going through hell and you're rooting for these characters and then you're happy for the characters at, at certain points and, it, and, it, and it's a story that's cathartic it does work it does work so well and I, I'm not, I don't begrudge it for winning that year but I think the fact that you know the producer on the movie is able to save the movie pisses me off when that other character goes through the ringer like he did.
0: I completely understand that. I think I'm more... It's justified, absolutely. I think I'm more forgiving because of the fact that it was supposed to be an adaptation based off these historical documents. Uh, And I know I'm, I'm also someone who says you can't get your history from film, but if that's what they were going for in this... If it was a standalone story without that basis and this is the ending they came up with, I would be equally outraged i'm a little more forgiving because of it being what it is that said Mm -hmm. it's still 12 years a slave i put it my bronze medal i put argo which i know you are extremely extremely high on i'm very high on it as well i think you've always just been more impressed with the tension that was built up from such a simplistic story and the degree of difficulty in that movie as opposed to others uh i put argo as my do not medal i think you have it in your silver it is my silver, Birdman's my bronze. I think
1: if I rewatch these movies, I would just like keep moving them around. I think I've rewatched Spotlight the most, and therefore Spotlight has grown on me the most. Because the more you study any one of these films, you're going to love, you know... More details about them. I, I, I do think that's a factor. Spotlight, for some strange reason, for me is the most rewatchable, and I never want to see Twelve Years a Slave again. I think I rewatched it once when it came on video. I rented it after seeing it in theaters, so I've seen it twice. But I, it's just such a grueling experience. So Spotlight, I've probably seen it 37 times. It's put me to sleep. I've stayed up with it. It deserves the <laughs> gold medal somehow, despite the fact that Ruffalo yells at the screen and almost looks at the camera in that one scene. Yeah, but I, I was
0: going to say it's impressive. Uh, Spotlight's my gold as well and it's impressive that it, we think it might have objectively the weakest group of performances, not to say that they're weak performances, but of these four movies, the supporting cast might have the weaker performance in Spotlight as compared to the other three and yet I still think it's just... I think it's underrated still to this day. It's so good and so tight. Michael Keaton is so astoundingly great in that movie. And I think he might be mm. one of the more underrated performances of the decade, uh, as a matter of fact, in Spotlight. He got a lot of credit for Birdman. He's gotten a lot of credit for this kind of Keaton renaissance we've been living through. But I think his role in Spotlight what he did was so overlooked. So, at the time...
1: I thought Spotlight was an unworthy Best Picture winner. I was kind of upset by it winning Best Picture that there that year. I was rooting for Mad Max. I was rooting for The Revenant. I wanted a dip, I, I even had The Big Short higher than so it. So did I. And rewatching Spotlight as much as I have, I'm like, oh my god, yeah, this is such like a perfectly paced film. It's just unraveling the exact way you need to do it. And I just, I give it so much respect after the fact, the fact that you watch it another 20 times. So I, I've come around on Spotlight and I'm, I'm really shocked that that happened. Because if you talk to me in 2015, I would, I would have had other movies, more audacious picks. Yeah. I wonder if that's going to be the case with movies that we've been, you know, reviewing and screaming about here on our podcast, you know, four years from now.
0: Yeah, it's inevitable, I think. And I think it also, the perspective of how you view a movie changes over time as well, with regard to what's going on in your life and the nation, the stories that grip the nations and become ingrained in the zeitgeist. I think that story has been such a decades long buildup of what happened in spotlight that it's kind of like spotlight might've come around at this perfect time to be this commemorative, all encapsulating look at Americana and what that portion of life was like during that time. Uh, and we were all living it out through the newspapers, and we couldn't believe mm-hmm. these allegations kept coming out week after week after week. So to see the behind the scenes of that spotlight is very akin, I think, or at least I imagine, uh, to what the, all the president's men must have been like back in the, uh, the Watergate scandal.
1: And yet, at the time, the r- biggest reason why I th- gave Spotlight some shade was like, it's not, a- the- the- <laughs> right. thing is not as good, or it's not the movie I'm used to, and it doesn't do the same things, and it's a different delivery. It's a different tone, a much different tone. And of course it is, but it's, it still works so well at the end of the day. I was like you. I had
0: Big Short. I was rooting for the Big Short on Oscar night. Yeah. Uh, I, I had Big Short higher, but Spotlight has just it's grown on me, certainly. I, I've come to think it's one of the best uh, best best picture winners in quite some time as a matter of fact all right mike we're gonna go through our
1: tallies very quickly though i think uh last time we went a little overboard with point systems etc (laughs) etc that's my fault but we're gonna do a year by year keep it simple give you four champions and then an overall champion my 2012 champion was argo with a gold and two silvers i had life of pie with four medals and i had lincoln with two medals there as well Dallas Buyers Club had three medals in 2013, but my 2013 champ was Gravity with two golds and two bronzes. In 2014, my champion was the grand budapest hotel with two golds and a bronze i also had birdman with two medals there and in 2015 mad max got four medals a gold and three silvers i had the revenant with three i had uh, hate flight with two and I had spotlight with two big ones of course like we just went over my overall champ has to be mad max if i did put last week's point system on it because it had silvers whereas gravity had a couple bronze in there for me so it beats it by a point so Mad Max on the undercard. Again, like last week, La La Land won with the undercard strength. I think we have to weigh these things differently, but is. We'll figure
0: out the scoring system one of these days for sure. I mean, the, uh, <laughs> the PER ranking didn't take – I remember Maurice Spates when the PER ranking first came out for the NBA. This means nothing to anyone but you and me. Maurice Spates was, like, in the top ten power forwards, even though he played, like, 18 minutes a game for the Sixers. So, yeah, we'll we'll, we'll get to it. We'll figure out this ranking. Maurice Spates reference <laughs> at the end of that's, an Oscar Olympics. That's what the people come for. That's why we get paid the big bucks, Mike. Uh, as far as my rankings, Les Mis – I don't know how or why, I guess, gets the 2012 <laughs> championship because it had a gold and a bronze. I'm going to say Life of Pi won anyway because I enjoyed that movie quite a bit more than Les Mis. You're not going to read my copy? I wrote that yeah. specifically for uh, you. you know, it says Les Miz, I guess I'll go fuck myself, and I might as well <laughs> because I was not a fan of Les Miz. Uh, I don't. I, Who was really a fan of Tom players, Hooper? Though, at the time. <laughs> Tom Hooper was. I, I protest. I'm playing my 2012 year under protest with these stats. <laughs> uh, for Gravity, in my 2013 year, that wins that year with three golds and two silvers, even though Dallas Buyers Club scored itself a gold as well. Frozen had two golds, as a matter of fact, obviously, uh, and 12 Years of Slave carried a gold as well. Now, hold on, though, Mike.
1: You have Dallas Buyers Club getting that extra Oh, right. that's Somehow I remembered it. You forgot. No, I put it in.
0: I switched it. I switched it because that was my lone gold. It didn't have a gold before that, so it had the lone gold with Leto. uh, So I had already typed that in. But, yeah, Gravity still wins the 2013 year. 2014, my champ is Birdman. That carried three silvers across the board. Uh, No golds for any of the uh, multiple medal winners in 2014 for me. Uh, And as far as 2015 goes, Mad Max carries the year. It had two golds and two silvers, even though The Hateful Eight was in there with two golds. The Big Short had a gold as well. Spotlight also had two golds. So my overall champ in that case would be Gravity, three golds, two silvers. I think I stand by that. I think that makes sense. And there's also, I'm sure, some kind of storyline in there about how I picked the 90-minute movie as my overall favorite compared to all these epic (laughs) dramas. But there we are.
1: There we are, just 90-minute uh, men <laughs> loving the, the quicker movie. By Ida should be your favorite movie then, and you're Polish. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's got a lot, of, a lot of things going in its favor for me. So that'll, yeah, we'll say that. Fuck, fuck everything I just said. Ida, the overall winner for me for this Oscar Olympics is Ida. Guys, obviously why we do these Oscar Olympics and why you we think you might enjoy listening to them is we want to hear your thoughts. What are your medal winners for the years of 2012 to 2015 covering the Oscars within those time frames as well? Uh, do we have any gold medal winners that you think we are out of our minds and should not be considering? and should be in fact do not medals do we have any disparities that you want to comment on or what are your rankings quite frankly we want to see those and we are most interested in those as well as any creativity you can bring us you can leave us those as well as any other comments questions concerns about anything else we do here in the MMO empire you can drop those off we are Mike Mike and Oscar on Facebook Mike Mike and Oscar on Instagram at MM and Oscar on Twitter Mike Mike and Oscar at gmail.com, dot com and on Reddit we are available everywhere you hear podcasts including and in especially Apple podcasts and if you would be so kind and just leave us a five-star review that'll be a gold medal that you can give us that we would wear with pride <laughs> in the apple podcast app
1: you're adorable. thank
0: you michael what is coming next from mmo and what are some words of wisdom for the nice people
1: well you mentioned the words of wisdom uh, we had a lot of fun reading all your picks and it yeah. just reminds us how much fun this really is i mean film punditry awards analysis you know this is our wheelhouse i mean we love doing this this is obviously the river wide bird's eye lens the wide angle lens
0: master there you go it's the imax camera
1: it's the fish eye lens from the favorite (laughs) master shot kind of deal it's one of those like we don't really get too deep into any of this but uh, you know we have a fun time doing a cursory look at all of these winners Mike what's coming next for us. We're going to get back into the news a little bit because we got some happier stories. I think we've been avoiding news shows because the news with the pandemic has just been, this is canceled. That's yeah. moved. We just didn't want to do that anymore. So we had a lot of fun. Well, the top five episodes, we've had a lot of fun with the retrospectives and award shows and, uh, We're going to get back to doing what we've been doing uh, in years previous with MNOW and Oscar Race Checkpoint a little bit. We also got the James Bond character study coming back for our august episode and uh, we'll have that for you i think pretty soon we have been talking about a couple collaborations with some friends and we we have some possibilities of a couple more for this late summer early fall that's very exciting
0: for us too it's august and the best picture i've seen this year is a movie from the 60s dr strangelove (laughs) well i mean all
1: right but dr strangelove is a great movie i mean I would vote for I, it for Best know, Picture be, if I
0: could this year twenty twenty. Yeah. Give it to it. Who cares? Well, nothing matters. But that's, that's kind of always
1: the case, though, <laughs> don't you? Always watch old movies that are better than the new movies, and you're. I don't know. Why
0: are you ruining this for me? I'm trying to we make could a joke. Do a
1: whole other episode on this. No, it's a terrible <laughs> joke. It always happens. <laughs>
0: Oh, guys when reality sucks you can come watch these movies and stand on the metal podiums with us we are Mike Mike and Oscar trying to make award season year round without the stuffiness we will see you all very soon stay safe see ya